Blog Talk Radio. Okay. Um, 
This is JB from Pure Gold. Um, I just wanted to ask, uh, it's, it's safe to say that Dave and I pretty much wanted to start our own talk show, and we're, we're showing sure. up Blog Talk Radio, uh, because of WFAN and probably particularly because of Mike and the Mad Dog. Um, what did you learn uh, and what do you miss from that successful show that lasted over almost about 20 years? Well, you learn, uh, you know, you learn how to put together a talk show uh, from the best, and uh, you know they certainly were. How how big chemistry is important as far as uh, when you have a pairing on radio, uh, you know you have to be knowledgeable and entertaining. How to do an in-depth interview, how to uh, attack a particular subject matter, uh, you know you ha you have to have your own opinion. You know it can't be anybody else's opinion. Um, you know, stuff like that. You learn how to basically, uh, you know, be a talk show host. And, uh, you know, it's, it's you know, the the job doesn't end when you're, you know, when you walk out of the station. You know, you got to read the papers. you got to read the magazines. you got to read the stuff on the Internet. Now you got to follow Twitter. you got to watch the games. So, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really end. And you want to be fresh. And you want to have fresh opinions and fresh takes. You don't want to be, like, uh, you know, just uh, reiterating the same old stuff that everyone else is doing. So, uh know which is a challenge at times and you got to be creative but um they were certainly uh you know six great years working with them three on the board and then three producing uh i learned a lot from them um certainly the two best in the business and uh the most successful talk show the you know sports radio has ever known okay um, okay mark i have a question for you uh considering that you're, you're just uh you know joe had asked you about mike and the mike and the dog and you're talking about all the preparation how much time would you say goes into prep for one of your shows i know you usually do the you know whether two hours or three hours or even four like you did last night how much time do you spend uh you know prepping for a show um well it depends i mean tonight is going to be a lot about andy pettit uh you know <laughs> excuse me last night was uh a lot about uh, Bernie Madoff and the Mets and a little bit about the Super Bowl. Um, you know, for a four-hour show, I mean, whether it be four hours or three hours or five hours, it's probably the same amount of prep time. You know, you, you get into a rhythm, you get comfortable behind the mic, you get comfortable doing your craft, you, you know, you know what you're talking about. I don't read from a script when I do an open um, you know, it kind of just flows. I know what I want to talk about. I know when I, what I, as far as attacking the subject matter, what points I want to bring up. Um, you know, I might write down a couple of notes, but um, I, I don't, I don't craft my open where I, I read it. As some do, and if you do that, that's fine. But um, probably I'd say a good hour and a half uh, of making sure you've read everything and are on top of everything before you do a show is probably the amount of prep time I do. And then I try and get here a little bit early so I can relax. But uh, when I get here, I, I don't do a ton of prep here. Like tonight I'm, I'm watching the Rangers-Devils game and stuff like that, reading a couple things maybe that I wasn't able to read before I got to here to the studio. But aside from that, I've done the majority of my prep before I got to the station. Well, let me ask you, Mark. Uh, do you prefer doing your your own show by yourself, or do you prefer to have a co-host once in a while? You know, they're two different uh, beasts. You know, you, you do a show by yourself, you're able to bring out your own personality, um, but it's hard to get into a rhythm or bring up different topics or whatever without having someone to play off of. So that's when it's great to have a co-host. I I really enjoy both of them. I do. <laughs> I think if it's uh, a slow sports day. It's better to have a co-host to uh, play off of instead of, or if it's a one-topic day, it's better to have a co-host. I, I enjoy working, whether it be with uh, Kim or Lori or whoever it might be, or uh, Anita Marks uh, here at the station. 
I enjoy working with anybody, and I, I try and have a good time with it. But, um, you know, the majority of my hosting here at The Fan has been solo, but I really enjoy both uh, both aspects of it. Good. And I know now that you're starting to dive into TV with uh, SNY. Do you um, Is that your career goal, to get onto TV? I mean, what do you prefer over one over the other, radio or TV? You know, I don't really have a preference. I, I like both of them. I, I enjoy I, I didn't really get into it. I, I got going in in Syracuse to just do TV, to just do radio, to be perfectly honest with you, um, to work here at the fan and get on air and do uh, anchor and hosting and stuff like that. The TV kind of uh, came out of the blue about three years ago. Uh, you know, uh, I got a call from, uh, you know, Jeannie Willis over at SNY that they wanted to uh, look to do some different things over there, and I had no idea what they were looking for, and would you mind coming in and doing a, a couple of tryouts? I did that. Um didn't hear back from them for a while, and then I heard back saying that they were interested. They wanted to know if I'd be intrigued in doing, you know, five nights a week on their 10 o'clock show. So that kind of came out of the blue, just from, you know, doing my stuff on the overnight, and, you know, you never know who's listening. You never know who uh, who uh, you might catch their ear and make a solid opinion for, but uh, that wasn't something I, I was certainly, not something I imagined I'd get into at that point in my career. I'm happy it happened. I'm happy SNY seeked me out, and uh, I'm certainly happy that uh, the, the the work that I've done for them and what they have done for me. Okay, Mark, uh, moving on to some uh, some current sports. You know, Joe and I talk about this a lot, but we're both fans of the, the four major sports, and the fact of the matter is that athletes come and go. You know, we remain loyal to our teams. I know that you're a Redskins fan and a, and a Yankees fan, right? So, you know, most of the time we grow up rooting for, for a team because, like in our cases, our fathers are big Mets fans or, um, you know, in Joe's case, you have the Jets and everything. But do you agree that, we are, in fact, fans more of a uniform and an owner than, let's say, a player per se, because players do come and go. Um, well, no, I think well, I think it depends on the player. <clears throat> like you take, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, you take the uh, like the Yankees in particular. Um, you know, Jeter, Rivera, now Pettit retiring tomorrow. There's certain guys that obviously have been there a number of years. Now there are guys that that rotate in and out, you know, like, a, you know, a Nick Swisher who's there now, but who knows how long Swisher's going to be there. You know, Curtis Granderson, guys, uh, you know, uh, guys that are there for a few years or, or whatever might be there for four or five years, but haven't spent their whole time or their whole career with the Yankees. You know, I still think you you do grasp the individual player, um, you know, more so than anything else. I know it's about, you know, rooting for the, uh, you know, uniform at the end of the day, and that is true. If you're a Yankee, you're a Yankee. If you're a Red Sox, you're a Red Sox. But I do still think in some aspects there is that connection to the individual player. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with that. I guess my, my question, like, you know, I love Mike Piazza, but he's not there anymore. You know, right. I loved uh, Todd Hundley when he was there, but he's not there anymore, so... You know, I'm going to be a Mets fan for the rest of my life, regardless of who's on the team. And right. speaking about the, you know, speaking of the Mets, um, we were talking about this on our show on Tuesday. I know you covered this a little bit last night, but do you think that it's time for the Wilpons to sell the team? Because I was listening to the fan this morning, as a matter of fact, and they were talking about more scandals with the Madoff, uh, you know, the Madoff situation. Do you think that the Wilpons are going to be in, in the process of really, I mean, getting rid of the team completely? 
Or do you think they'll stick to 20, 25% and then, you know, that'll be the end of it? Yeah, I, I don't think so. No, I don't think the Wilpons right now, and, you know, I think that would be their worst fears if they're, if they end up selling this team. I, I don't, I don't think that's the case at all. They're exploring the option of selling 20 to 25% of the team. You know, there is that lawsuit by Irving Picard that was filed on December the 7th. They've got to deal that and with the whole, uh, you know, Bernie Madoff saga. You know, you know if, it, if it ends up being a couple hundred million dollars, it's not that big of a deal. And if it ends up being, you know, a billion dollars or more, then obviously uh, it's a major issue uh, as far as Fred and Jeff Wolpon and Sol Katz are concerned. But, uh, no, right now I don't, think the, I don't think there is any intention of the Mets, uh, of the Wilpons completely selling the Mets now. Okay. When we talk about, obviously, um, the upcoming baseball season, we talk about, um, obviously, one of the big topics – in the offseason was the you know the starting rotation for the Philadelphia Phillies, Mark. Now right. let me ask you, let me ask you, with Holiday Lee, Oswald, and Hamels, and whoever the fifth starter is, I mean, I tried to think of another starting four that was just as formidable. Obviously, there's no comparison probably to this four, but what do you think of a comparison of the '86 Mets rotation of Gooden, Ojeda, Fernandez, and Darling? Yeah, I, I you know I, I think it's close. I mean, Gooden certainly. Um, I, I think that you know three and four kind of uh, fall off to where the three and four are for the Philadelphia Phillies. I mean, I I don't know. I haven't seen a foursome you know uh, of this magnitude together. I mean, you could talk maybe about the Braves um, of the '90s, uh, and they were awfully good when they had Glavin, uh, Smoltz, and uh, when they had Glavin, Smoltz, Maddox, and their fourth was Avery. Uh, before his shoulder gave way and his velocity obviously uh, completely dropped off the earth. But Avery was considered to be a Cy Young candidate in the future when he first came into the major leagues. You know, this uh, this group is as established as established can be. Uh, You know, you got Oswald, you got Doc Holliday, you got Cliff Lee. They've shown to pitch big games in the postseason. I mean, I have... There's not a foursome right now in Major League Baseball that can compare. And um, you mentioned the 86 fair, but I'd still take the Phillies uh, this go-around. I would. All right, Mark, speaking of the whole uh, starting rotation thing, as a fan of the Yankees and knowing that Pettit is retiring tomorrow, what do you think the, what do you think of the Yankees rotation? I mean, they have, obviously, C.C. Sebastian, A.J. Burnett, who I'm not a big fan of his at all, and then you're looking at you know Hughes, and I don't know what to do with Jabba, but... What do you think about the Yankees uh, in terms of their starting rotation? Well, I mean, you know what, to be honest with you, it's, it's a mess right now. I mean, uh, I, you can look at it, Sabathia and Hughes. I mean, Burnett's a major question mark. Is your number three starter. Uh, Ivan Nova maybe is your number four. Sergio Mitre, then you throw in Freddie Garcia and or Bartolo Colon. They're bringing in Mark Pryor for a look-see. You know, Pryor has not, uh, you know, seen major league action in, in four years here. So, you know, the Yankees right now are in a little bit of an utter state of despair as far as that starting rotation. There wasn't a plan behind Cliff Lee. You know, that's a fault of Brian Cashman. He tried to trade for uh, Felix Hernandez a couple times this offseason, guys, and uh, not able to give it a go, or Seattle was not willing to uh, to make that kind of a deal at that point in time. You know, they, you can honestly say the Yankees maybe have the third best uh, starting rotation in the American League East, which is not a good thing. Plus, the lineup's a year older. You know, it's not setting up here for the Yankees to to get off to a very good start in 2011. You know, they're going to have to need to add a starter of relevancy at some point in the regular season. They will in order to make it to October and then hopefully go out there and win another World Series. 
I have to admit, um, you know, Joe and I are big Yankee haters, and I'm sure you deal with a lot of those, especially as Mets fans. So hearing a, a Yankee fan such as you mention that, it makes me feel a little bit better about the disaster that my team is in. Uh, but, you know, turning, <laughs> turning, our attention, uh, <laughs> turning our attention to football. Right. Um, do you? I was listening to you and Kim Jones this past Saturday. Right? You, I think you had Gary Myers on the fan, and uh, you know, do you think that there's going to be a, a lockout in the NFL? What do you think is going to be the outcome of the collective bargaining agreement, considering that the Super Bowl is on Sunday, and then you know, season's over, the major issue becomes that. Yeah, no, you're right about that. <laughs> the major issue does become that. Um, I don't think. I think if there's any kind of a lockout or work stoppage or games are missed next year, I think. Uh, the players association, the owners are completely missing the ball. I think when um I think at some point in time before training camps, uh, I think a deal is gonna be struck. I think we're gonna have to deal with all the, the back and forth and you know, the the uh the negotiations and the papers before we get to that point. But you know, we know that work stoppages are not good for the health of the sport as far as popularity goes. Especially, you know, with uh anybody out there that's uh you know, going out there and you know, working six, seven days a week hearing about these guys trying to, yeah. you know, break apart four or five or $8 billion, whatever it might be as far as revenue goes and how to split the pie. Uh, but I, I think a deal will be struck. I don't think uh, we'll have a – I don't think games will be missed at the end of the day. Okay. Mark, um, as we wrap up, because we know we're pressed for time here, um, just want to ask, I, I'm a, a diehard Jets fan, and obviously I'm highly disappointed that the Jets couldn't get to the Super Bowl. You know, right. especially be, especially after beating the Colts and the Pats on the road. I mean, you know, we knew that they had a shot against the Colts, uh, but I don't think anybody thought that the Jets had a legit shot to actually beat the Pats in New England. Um, I, I guess the only progress that we could say that the Jets made is that they didn't back into the playoffs this year, and they actually earned their walk hard this year. So, um, you know, and Sanchez has definitely improved since last year. Um, yeah, that being said, obviously they need a pass rusher, um, that's something that the Jets have always seemed to lack, a pass rusher. But uh, just in terms of Super Bowl Forty Five, um, do you have any predictions for Super Bowl Forty Five? Yeah, I, I like the Packers, actually. I, I think they're going to be able to spread the Steelers' defense out with those four wide receivers, a driver, Nelson, uh, Jones, and Greg Jennings. I think uh, the key, if you like Green Bay, is going to be the decision-making of Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he's played unbelievable football here in the postseason, and really the last two weeks of the regular season as well. So uh, I, I just uh, I, I think they're going to be able to uh, to throw on that Steelers secondary, and I think the Packers defense, even though it's small and quick, you know, and the Steelers want to pound the football and control the clock, I think they'll make enough plays to eke out a victory. But I, I do like Green Bay on Sunday. I do. All right, Mark. Uh, I just want to mention to our pure gold audience. Uh, don't forget, folks, that once we go off the air today at ten o'clock, Mark Moses will be live. Uh, at 10 p.m. on WFAN 660. Mark, uh, any specific? Uh, do you have any guests? I know it's late. Uh, do you have any guests that you're going to be on? Is going to be uh, on the I show? Think, yeah, I think Eric Bowen from Newsday will be on with us to talk about Andy Pettit. Other than that, uh, no, we'll be doing some Super Bowl, a little hockey. Uh, we'll certainly uh, open up the show talking about Pettit and the ramifications of his retirement uh, on the Yankees' starting rotation. But uh, we'll try and have fun over the course of four hours. Thank you so much, Mark, for coming Mark. on on behalf of, of me. <laughs> no, you got it, Joe. David, anytime, man. Best of luck with everything, all right? Yeah, thank you, Mark. Uh, take care. Have a good show, and uh, it was an honor having you on. A pleasure's all mine.
Take care. Bye. Folks, that was Mark Malusis of WFAN. Uh, you know, it was, it was great having Mark on. Mark is one of our favorites on the fan because, you know, he tells it like it is, and you know, he's an honest guy, has his opinions, and he, you know, he, he gets the job done, as it were. JB? Yeah, I mean, despite, I mean, Despite the fact that he's a Yankee and a Redskins fan, he's a good guy. I gotta say, he's a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he definitely, he definitely is a good guy. But uh, you know, again, we appreciate Mark coming on the on the air with us and uh, you know taking time out of his schedule. Um, speaking of all that, taking time out of his schedule, JB, we're gonna get into a little segment that we like to call. We're hoping that this will become a regular one, folks. Uh, we we had him on the air last Thursday. We did a full out interview with him. Today, we are gonna have on fire with Pyro. And, folks, we have Mr. Pyro Falcon of OnlineOnsport.com joining us. Pyro, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing all right. How are you guys this evening? We're good. Doing good? Question for you, sir. Um, I'd like to get your take on something. Um, the Royal Rumble is on Sunday. I know you gave it a you gave it a good uh, review on your, uh, your recap. I loved it. It was one of the more entertaining Rumbles, but... Uh, Talk to us specifically, what do you think this means in terms of Alberto Del Rio winning and now subsequently going after Edge's World Heavyweight Championship on SmackDown? Yeah, about that. I, uh, as much as I enjoyed it, I was sort of embarrassed that I only got a single one of my predictions right, uh, that being that Dolph Ziggler <laughs> was going to come back into it. But, um, you know, honestly, uh, Alberto Del Rio was my second choice for winning it, which I know is easy to say now in retrospect, but he was my second choice. John Cena was my third. And I, I, I personally don't think Alberto Del Rio is ready for, a t- for one of the top two titles. But, you know, WWE has faith in him. I guess I've got faith in him too. I mean, and he's been around for 10 years in the Indies. He's uh I actually found out on Wikipedia the guy used to be an MMA fighter for a few matches. You know, so I've seen him in the ring. He's good. His character is good. He's he's out JBL and JBL. You know, he he can only be good from here on out, especially if he's paired with other guys. And, you know, with Edge, Edge can make anybody look good. Edge can make me look good in the ring. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it wouldn't be my first choice. You know, I would still rather see Punk win it and get the title shot, but, you know, it, it can't be bad. So I, I'm hoping uh, I'm hoping everything turns out pretty well. Let me ask you, Pyro, um, you know, I, I guess I don't have much to argue that the Royal Rumble was a success, successful pay-per-view, but um, what are your thoughts about somebody winning the, paper, um, winning the actual Rumble at, like, you know, drawing two numbers before the end? Like, he drew, I believe, number 38 and won the Rumble without really breaking a sweat. Any thoughts on that? Well, um, WWE does that sometimes. You know, number 30 has won a bunch of times. Um, I, it, it really doesn't matter to me. It, it all depends on the story being told. Um, actually, I am more offended, so to speak, uh, not that Alberto Del Rio won it at number 38, but that uh, CM, well, not Punk, but Nexus, was so collectively dismantled by John Cena. Oh. That little mini story just really upset me because um, they buried Nexus, they buried CM Punk. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, the way they did it with Kali where he came in, eliminated one dude before he got tossed, you know, those little mini stories work. And if you chip away at Nexus, but with other guys getting lucky or whatever, you still 
can wind up with the same result and not make Nexus look so weak. And it, it wasn't, to me, it wasn't even a matter of John Cena being good. It was Nexus being crappy. And that's, you know, that was the wrong message to send. But um, back to your original question, you know, the mini story, so to speak, of uh, Alberto Del Rio winning it at number 38 isn't so bad. Plus he can use that, uh, some of the faces could actually use that to argue with his legitimacy. You know, they they can argue that uh, the only reason he won it was because he was one of these extra 10 and if the Rumble still had 30, he couldn't get it or something. You know, it makes a nice little story point if WWE actually wants to take advantage of that, which I have no faith in. But, uh, you know, I don't mind it so much. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that because Joe and I were talking about that, and we both, that was one of the first things that we said, and I actually talked to you about this also uh, uh, the other day, but the fact that, you know, CM Punk and, and the new Nexus were dominating Raw, right? They were dominating all the Raw guys. They were dominating everybody. They eliminated Kali, R-Truth, and all these other dudes. But then to have Cena come in there and destroy them and just throw them all out one by one by one, especially Punk, it, it basically castrates the group. It's, they're just as bad as the original Nexus because that's all Cena did week in and week out. And it's frustrating because you think, okay, they, maybe they'll get this right the second time with this group. But no, they're not getting it right with the core, and they're not getting it right with this. But, uh, you know, moving on, uh, what did you think about Nash, okay, you have Kevin Nash or Diesel, and Booker T returning? I know I went nuts. I knew they were coming out because, unfortunately, I spoiled it looking at, at the, you know, WrestleZone. But I knew that they were going to appear. But even when they came out, to hear the roof blow off of, the, of you know, the TD Garden Center in, uh, in Boston, when Nash came out, you know, they were doing the Let's Go Diesel chant. Booker, it was just huge. The crowd was so into it. There was such a hot crowd. Any thoughts on that? Oh, dude, it was a moment. I mean, with with Booker T, I nearly jumped out of my chair um, with <laughs> how excited I was because I really think, you know, I, I'm hoping, I'm praying to the God of Wrestling present that he is um, he, he is not going to leave. Like, it wasn't just a one-off yeah. thing. And cause I, I also didn't spoil it, so I had no idea they were coming. So with Booker T, I almost, you know, I almost jumped out of my chair. Uh, and the only thing that ruined it was when he hit all of his finishers within like, you know, a 20 second span, and then did the spinner Rooney. Like he's going to yeah, eliminate. You know, he was done. You know, in a moment. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but but then when Nash came out, at first I didn't even recognize the music because it's been what 17 years or something ridiculous. Yeah, um, yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah, it's, I I didn't even recognize his music, and then they the camera went on him, and uh, I remember Stryker said holy sh, and then cut himself off, and I I was <laughs> unable to jump up I, I was unable to jump up from my chair because I was so stunned that he was there, and then once my brain like absorbed what was going on, I had a whole lot more expletives than uh, than Matt Stryker ever did. I was just unbelievably shocked. That's one of those great moments that makes the Royal Rumble as unique as it is. I mean, it was just fantastic. And I could imagine what it was like to be uh, one of the live crowd who didn't know he was coming. You know, it's... yeah. And actually, even though, even if you do know he's coming, you know, it's not real until he's actually out there. And, you know, seeing them out there is just shocking, especially with the black hair and the black you know, goatee. It's, it was just a shock. It was fantastic. But him, I think yeah, it's a one-and-done situation. But, you know, I, I, well, I, you know, I, I, I actually, too, but 
Yeah, as do I. I actually heard an interview with him uh, yesterday that he did the the night over the night after uh, the Monday night. He was talking on ESPN Radio and uh, on Blog Talk Radio also, and he was saying that he really you know is hoping that this becomes. He signed a Legends deal, so he's going to be doing stuff with the WWE. But he'd love to come back. They had that stare down with the big show at the end, which would be interesting. I think that would be a nice little match at Mania. Um, the only thing I didn't like about his whole appearance was the fact that he didn't powerbomb anybody. I was hoping he powerbombed somebody <laughs> through the through the ring, but, uh, you know, maybe next time. But to see the two of them out, like you said, I knew that they were coming, but I literally jumped out of my chair. I mean, I did a spin-a-rooney in the living room, and I hit my wife with the bookend. So I was so pumped up when I saw him, when I saw... You know, she, I, I couldn't, I couldn't get the jackknife going. But when, uh, when I saw these guys come out, and it really is what makes the world almost so great. But not only that, it's what makes wrestling great. It's one of those moments that, you know, or two of those moments that it really reminds you of why you're a fan. You know, exactly. And speaking of that, speaking of that, the uh, the two twenty one eleven promo, which ends up being the night after the elimination chamber. Um, it's a big thing. It's been all over the blogosphere, people talking about it. I'm convinced 100% that it's going to be Sting, and if Sting shows up on Raw WWE television, I will probably flip my TV over and go crazy because I love Sting, big fan of his. What, do you, what are your thoughts on that? You know, it's funny because when, when I first saw that promo, um, I, I couldn't think of a single person who wore that kind of stuff, the trench coat. Um, my mind immediately jumps to Undertaker, but I'm like, eh, he's still unhealthy. There's no way he's coming back, especially not on Raw. And uh, I yeah. I started seeing the rumors about Sting, and I'm like, if it's Sting, I mean, the the roof of whatever arena that happens to be is going to be ripped off the fan, you know. It'd be great, and cause, you know, like, like the the whole storyline with Sting, the person, you know, is that he's the last and probably best great professional wrestler that has never been signed with WWE. And you know, not only honestly will that be awesome for the fans, but I think if Sting is indeed with WWE and if he gets to come out, even if he never touches a title, um, it not only it, it's it's hard to describe. It's like both entities, both Sting himself and WWE, will become so much bigger just because they're interacting with each other. You know, Sting's Sting's best days may be behind him, but he's still a great guy, and he can still, you know, put put together a pretty decent match. And yeah, I'm kind of excited about it. I'm hoping it's him. And at this point, if it's anybody else, it'll probably be a terrible disappointment. Yeah. yeah. Do you think he'll wrestle at WrestleMania? Well, yeah. I mean, if he's coming uh, that early in February, let's see, I forget exactly what day WrestleMania is. Isn't it the first Sunday in April this year? Yeah, I think it's April. Maybe the last Sunday in March. Yeah. Um, It it gives him, that would give him about, what, six weeks of time to build up a story. And if they put him with, with another, you know, high caliber guy, I mean, you can put together one heck of a story in six weeks. Um, I know that one dream match a lot of people have been talking about is Undertaker Sting, and it's still questionable whether Undertaker will be healthy by the time WrestleMania comes. But if that's the route they want to go, that's going to be one of those stories that can write itself. And um, last week you asked me if uh, uh, who could you know beat Undertaker for a streak, and I think uh, Triple H is the only one there. But if Sting comes, 
I could see Sting beating Undertaker for his streak. I don't think it'll happen yet because, you know, I don't think they'd want to pull the trigger on that, him only being there six weeks. But an Undertaker versus Sting match would be so incredibly special and unique and just mind-blowing that, you know, you could easily do that for WrestleMania, and that would be match of the night, even if the quality of the match is kind of low. Uh, you know, just just all the fans and the, the fire and the electricity that would be around the ring, it would be like Rock versus Hogan. You know, it, Rock Hogan wasn't a technically sound match, but it was one of the most insane and shocking and just surreal moments in WrestleMania history. And really, I mean, because, you know, you're not going to pair Sting with any of the new guys. You're not going to see a Sting versus Dolph Ziggler match at WrestleMania, you know. So whoever Sting is with, it's going to be one of those upper-tier guys, and it's going to be one heck of a moment. And I can't wait. I, I really do hope it's him. All right. Folks, we're talking to Pyro Falcon of Online. I saw it here on Pure Gold. Pyro, let me ask you, uh, turning our attention to the WWE title, um, they had a pretty cool Royal Rumble uh, to end the show on Monday, and they had you know, they had five legit guys that could have won the Rumble, and you had Jerry the King Lawler actually winning it. What are your thoughts on that? That was a fantastic moment, too. Uh, if you read my recap on Online Onslaught, I, actually, I, I always write my recaps to kind of train a thought. And I put in there that, you know, the final two are Jerry and Sheamus. And uh, I put in the recap, I'm like, well, obviously this and Sheamus is going to win, so I guess we'll, you know, let's see how they wrap this up. And that was another almost jump out of my chair moment when Jerry won it. it it's fantastic. And the guy is, you know, yeah. the guy is 61 years old. He still puts on a heck of a match. He still um, is a great character. Everybody loves him. You know, it, it's a great moment for him. The only problem is I was thinking about it afterwards, and I re- I realized um, if I were to make a bet, I would give him a 0% chance of winning the title at Elimination Chamber because I don't think we're going to want to see um, – I, I don't think the majority of fans would want to see Jerry Lawler as WWE champion entering WrestleMania to defend his title. Um, it just – I don't know. There, there's something about that that just doesn't sound like WWE would want to pull the trigger. But hey, I've been a, a, I've been very wrong over the past two weeks. So if uh, they would pull the trigger on Jerry holding the title, you know, I'm not going to complain. Uh, um, it's funny, actually. I was uh, when I did NXT on Tuesday. Uh, I was watching the live chat. And a lot of fans do not want to see Waller holding the title. But these same fans seem to be the Orton fans, the Cena fans. And to me, that <laughs> sort of makes sense. These are the younger fans who they, they have no – they don't know about history. They don't know about tradition. Oh, cool. They don't know about respect because they're not old enough for it yet. So uh, They don't know about good wrestling. You know, say that again? I'm sorry. I was, no, I was just saying that they don't know about good wrestling either because they're fans of Orton and Cena. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All they care about is the show, rather, you know, the entertainment. And, um, you know, so if Jerry wins, I'll be one of the happiest guys in the world for him, and I would love seeing him enter WrestleMania as WWE champion. I think it would be fantastic. But the the way I, – I let, actually, let me back up a second – I give him a 0% chance of entering WrestleMania as champion. He might win the title with Elimination Chamber. I, I don't think he will. I'll give him a 10% chance to win the title at WrestleMania, or 
sorry, at um, Elimination Chamber. But if he wins the title, I have a feeling he's going to wind up giving it up either the next night on Raw or one of the nights of Raw before WrestleMania. Because, you know, if he wins it, Miz gets his championship rematch clause. And I, I just, I cannot fathom WWE having enough trust in Jerry Lawler to have the belt going into WrestleMania. But I'll be very happy if he is. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. And um, I know my partner DG is not a fan of, you know, winning a title at a pay-per-view and then losing it the very next night on Raw. I mean, they did that uh, during the Attitude Era. So I don't know if they're going to do that again. But, you know, that is a possibility, obviously. Oh, yeah. I I mean, I I hate the idea of it. Um, I mean, we can fantasy book all day. uh, And I can think of other things. Like, you could say that, Waller wins his wins or defends the title at WrestleMania, and then whoever wins Money in the Bank immediately takes it from him because that's it's like the one Money in the Bank story we haven't seen yet is the winner cashing it in the, the same night, and you know I wouldn't pass I wouldn't put it past WWE to do that too, but uh, you know I, Jerry at best will ever be a transitional champion, but I just I have this feeling in the pit of my stomach he's never going to see it at all. Um, right. I, I will be yeah. very surprised if he wins it at Elimination Chamber, and I'll be even more surprised if he goes into WrestleMania with it. But you know, like I said, it'd be a great moment if he does, though, because you know the fans will love it. Whoever the fans live will just will their heads will explode if he pulls it off, and that would be fantastic. Yeah. Let me ask you, uh, let me ask you, Pyro, one last, um, yeah, one last raw nugget that I I have is that. Um, you know, like we let me go, let me backtrack here because we were talking about it before. But Nexus is this is this big heel faction, and um, you know, on Raw this uh, past Monday we had the tag team titles defended and defended successfully. I mean, if you're going to really make this this heel faction work, I think you know you need to take the straps off of two jokers like you know um, Kozlov and Santino. What do you think about them successfully defending the tag team titles against Nexus? I don't mind that so much. I, I'm surprised. I was honestly very surprised when Santino continued to defend it. Um, I think they work as a team, and uh, I know a lot more of the hardcore fans want to see them not have the titles anymore. But for me, um, as much as I hate to say it, considering how WWE feels about the tag division, to me it doesn't really bother me that they're treating, you know, that they have the titles on a comedy team for as long as they have. And as long as Santino pops crowds, you know, you may as well keep it on them. But as far as your overall point goes, you're right, the Nexus is very castrated, and they have to do something to uh, become more interesting. Because all Nexus does is, and this applies to before, too, you know, before Wade jumped jumped to SmackDown. All Nexus does is their little gang beatings. Um, It's like in legit matches, uh, well, you know what I mean by legitimate, but in regular matches, tag matches, whatever, um, they always lose. Or the only way they win is if they do something behind the ref's back. And it just, it's boring. You know, it's like every time they're there, they fail, and they fail hard, and they fail miserably. And You know, I mean, David is going to fail at everything except picking a wife, but, you know, the other guys should at least be able to, um, the other guys should at least be able to do something. And, 
don't know. I don't know. Okay, the whole thing honestly makes uh, Punk look weaker, too. I mean, Sam Punk yeah, is one yeah, of those guys. He's a main eventer. He's been around forever. He's a great wrestler. He's one of he's probably the top three, maybe the top two talkers of WWE. Um, you know, with his faction failing and failing and failing, I mean, it, it just keeps Nexus in this little dark corner to be ignored. And you were right that, you know, if they're going to restart Nexus, at least do it right with them. And they have. Yeah. I mean, Nexus made these huge headlines, and you know when they first started with Wade, when they came and ripped the raw ring to shreds and choked everybody and all that, you know they made huge headlines because of how shocking and violent it was, and then they've just become so dramatically castrated since then. And it's it's sad. You know, if you're not going to give them a title, at least let them help Punk actually win something. Otherwise, they're just they're yeah. sucking up paychecks. <laughs> no, you, you're definitely right about that, Pyro. And uh, unfortunately, you know, it's like I said, it's the same old same old deuce, basically. The you know, Nexus sucks. They bring new guys in, they still suck. And all they've ever done is go after Cena, 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 and lose to Cena left and right. So, you know, Pyro. Uh, Hopefully next week we'll have something better to talk about. Uh, but unfortunately, that you know, that's all the time we have for now, and that's all I can stomach talking about Cena and uh, and Nexus. But we definitely appreciate you coming on, and uh, you know, hopefully SmackDown will be good. There's something on SmackDown that once you see it and you do your recap, one of your, uh, I guess you could say, I don't want to spoil anything for you, but you'll, I think you'll be happy with part of it. And uh, we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon, Pyro. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks, Pyro. All right, Pyro, take care. Folks, that was Pyro Falcon of Online Onslaught joining us for a regular spot on Fire with Pyro. Um, we spent a lot of time today, obviously talking with the Moose and you know talking with Pyro. We, we've done some wrestling, and we can always get back to that. But uh, we need to cover the Super Bowl, folks, because the Super Bowl is on Sunday, and we actually have a caller on the line who, from my understanding, would like to talk about the Super Bowl. So we have a seven five nine nine seven three. Sir, you are live and on the air with Pure Gold. Who's this? This is a mystery guest. Mystery guest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mystery guest. Well, we got to talk about mystery guest. It's about time you got off wrestling. I was getting tired of it. <laughs> it's always good to give your thoughts. Right, Why are you on the Hello. You're not a wrestling uh, fan. Hello, Dave. Hello, Dave. You recognize me? It sounds sounds familiar. I I have to admit, it sounds very familiar. I'm Joe's father. Um, Oh, okay, Joe's father. (laughs) That's what it sounded sounded familiar. No, I'm just messing with you. I knew Joe told me that you were going to be calling in today to talk about the Super Bowl. Yeah, there's so many many uh, people waiting here. (laughs) This is is football season. That's right. This is football season. Let's be talking about football now. All right. Just wondering who, you, who do you guys like? No, we ask you, who do you like? Uh, I like the Cleveland Browns. They're not in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Who do you think is going to take no, the Super Bowl, no, Mr. Green, B? Green, no, Green Bay all the way. And why? Okay. And why? Yeah. Yeah, because they got the offense. The spread okay. offense. Yeah. It's not because it's not because the Steelers beat the Jets, right? Well, that too. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just making sure. 
Yeah, um, I'm sure you've talked to Joe about this, but uh, we both are rooting for the for the Packers. Um, obviously, because of the whole Jets situation, my dad's a huge Jets fan, and uh, you know what? Jets gonna get the job done, but hopefully the Packers will. Um, what do you think? Uh, you think it's gonna be a high scoring game? Yeah, I think it's going to be like a 27 to 10 game. Wow. Okay. That's Pittsburgh. not bad. Yeah, 27. Yeah. You're going to see a good defense from uh, Green Bay. You're going to see Mr. Clay Matthews there. He, I, I saw his father play in Cleveland. I don't know if you knew it. I don't know if Joe ever told you. No, he didn't, actually. He didn't tell me much. Yeah. Clay Matthews was you know, was drafted by the Cleveland Browns. He was the linebacker. He played, he played there for 16 years. And then oh, wow. you know his brother, his brother the uh, the other Matthews. He was a uh, a guard for the Houston Oilers. I remember them. Yeah, yeah. So, so. well, oh. yeah. Um, so the three of us are rooting for the room for the backers here. You think there's any chance yeah. that the Steelers pull it out? There's always a chance with that, uh, Mr. Ben. Uh, Mr. McBen, they got to get him down. They cannot make him, you know, get out of the pocket. You have to contain him in the pocket. Don't let him get out. In, 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 you know, like he spreads, he spreads, you know, goes out around the ends and he throws it downfield. They have to keep him in the pocket and bring him down. Okay. All right, Mr. Guest, uh, we want to thank you for your analysis on the Super Bowl. And yeah. we, we, you know, we are talking Super Bowl talk now, so don't uh, worry. Uh, uh, all right. You know. So you guys did a good job, Mr. Malusius. He's on tonight. Yeah, he's on. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Fifteen minutes. Yep. Yeah, maybe. Uh, you yeah, check him out. Maybe should... Yeah, yeah. I always listen to him. He's taking what's the name's place. Uh, he's on vacation. Who's uh, Smoozer? Oh, Smoozer. That? That's right. Yeah, he's, he's on vacation. That's why. I mean, that's why he's been on late on uh, at night. Yeah, I mean, okay. me and Dave, me and Dave plan on listening to him at ten o'clock. You never know; he might plug us. Maybe, maybe you guys should call him tonight. Yeah, maybe we should. Yeah, we should. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah. All, All right. right. All right, you guys. Good luck. Good luck. Thank you. Take care. Uh, Thank you for calling. Bye. In. Bye. Folks, that mystery guest was Mr. Bacino himself, Joe's father. Um, I don't know if you recognize the similarity in the voices, but, uh, you know, that pretty much gave it away. Um, JB. Just about the Super Bowl. Break it down, PG style. Well, we haven't really discussed it, and um, I think the uh, main reason why we haven't really discussed the Super Bowl, to be honest with you, is that when the Jets lost, I, I pretty much lost all interest in the Super Bowl, except for the fact that it's one of my favorite national ho- it's one of my favorite national holidays of the United States. But uh, this year, I mean, I'm not really that much into it. So you got two good teams. You got you know uh, you got two mirror images of two teams uh, that play great defense. But the Packers' offense is a little better than the Steelers' offense on turf. So when all said and done, I think that it's um, the hungrier team will prevail. I think the hungrier team is the Green Bay Packers since they haven't won a Super Bowl in 13, 14 years. I think Aaron Rodgers is still playing at a different level than the rest of the quarterbacks. I think Ben Roethlisberger is a good quarterback, but, again, I think he's going to face some fierce pressure up the middle and I think that they're not going to be able to handle it. So I do see a high-scoring affair, but I do see in the Packers pulling it out. I'll go 31-27 Packers. JB, this sounds like a good analysis, as always. 
That's why you get paid the big bucks. Um, I agree with you. I think that the Packers are going to pull this off. I think that Aaron Rodgers is definitely on another level. He's a better pure passer and a pure quarterback than Ben. The big advantage that Ben has is that he doesn't go down. You could probably shoot him in the face, and he wouldn't go down because he's just an animal. But I agree with you. I think it's going to be high scoring. I think that uh, I think our mystery guest was a little off on the score, but I have to say that I'm leaning more towards your score going into the low 30s, possibly both teams getting into the 30s, maybe uh, you know 35, 31, or something like that. But I honestly, you know, I'll be into it just for the fact that I want the Steelers to lose. I can't stand the Steelers. I can't stand Ben Roethlisberger. Everybody deserves a second, third, fourth, fifth chance, but I just don't like the guy. And uh, considering the Steelers have already won so many Super Bowls and they've won two in you know very recent memory, I want them to get a third. So we're definitely rooting for the Packers. I'm going to have a Super Bowl party in my house, JB, and uh, we'll be rooting for the Packers. And if not, then they'll be thrown out of my house All right. as quickly as they entered it. Any other thoughts on the Super Bowl, JB, before we uh, we close this segment out? Um, I'm not a, I'll be honest with you. I'm not a big fan of the Super Bowl party. I never was, never have been. Um, I don't go to somebody else's house that's different, you know, for the Super Bowl. I consider myself You're not going to go to the mystery guest house? Uh, he might come to my house or I might go there, but that's as loyal as I get to that kind of stuff. Like, I won't go to some party where there's 40 people mucking it up just talking about anything but the Super Bowl and watching the game. So I'm always going to want to watch the Super Bowl with somebody that watched the whole season with me because I feel like it's a celebration of the season, and it's like obviously the last game of the season, so it's the most important game. So I'm not going to go to some stupid party, you know, eat some stupid hors d'oeuvres, and watch a party when people are over, you know, talking over the announcers and I can't really get into the game. So I'm definitely going to either watch it at my house or at the mystery guest's house. Okay. So basically, you're gonna you're gonna scan up at, at your own place. Um, I mean, we're only gonna have a couple people over. It's not gonna be one of these Super Bowl scum fests like you're saying, and having everybody and their mother over. Just a couple of friends, and we're definitely gonna watch the Super Bowl. And whatnot. but I know what you mean because I've been to those parties where it's anything but the Super Bowl. It's just you know they're eating chips and dip and you know all kinds of other stuff, and you know watching the Super Bowl commercials because that's the main reason that most people watch the Super Bowl, but I'll definitely be into the game, and I hope that it's a good game. You know, th- to me, ultimately, with my team not being in it, that's what that's what you got to root for, that it's going to at least keep your interest. You know, I know you're a football fan, big football fan, but the fact is that if the game sucks, it's going to be hard to watch if the Packers are blowing the Steelers out or the Steelers are blowing the Packers out. It's just not going to be that interesting, so hopefully it'll be a, a good game like you know we saw a couple of weeks ago, and you know, hopefully, this, like I said, the Steelers won't win because uh, I hate them. And uh, moving on from the uh, the Super Bowl, JB, I actually have an email here that I'd like to read. I'm going to have to break this up because it's, it's a bit long, but, you know, in the Pure Gold fans talk, we have got to listen. Um, it says here, a person prefers to remain anonymous, sort of like our mystery guest who called in earlier. Dear DG and JB, I was ready to comment about the garbage that Hollywood keeps churning out and that we swallow up. Most of it's our fault because we watch TV shows or movies, but uh, he'd like to comment about something that you said, JB. Uh, you were talking about networks canceling shows. He says this, you know, other mystery emailer, if we don't download Hulu or YouTube the shows, then these shows would stand a chance, a la Knight Rider. Um, that and, of course, that they didn't completely suck. Any thoughts on that, JB? Yeah, I totally agree with him. I mean, I brought up the point, so good job, emailer. Keep emailing me and keep supporting JB. 
He also said that, uh, you know, Hollywood can't come up with anything new and original. All they do is regurgitate, you know, great shows and movies from the past and turn them into crap. This is absolutely true. Um, the fact is that that's all that they do come out with. Hollywood hasn't had an original thought in 20 years. But, uh, you know, he, he's talking about the Green Hornet, and I know you haven't seen the movie, Joe, and I, I mentioned it to you, but the Green Hornet was a green turd. It was absolutely terrible. Um, you know, he mentions here that Seth Rogen played Britt Reed the exact same way that he plays every other character, so he's he's got the range of a, I don't know what, he's, he's got no acting range whatsoever, but, uh, you know, Cato saved the movie, basically, and they, they acknowledged Bruce Lee in a couple of parts. Um, did you watch the Green Hornet series, or did you, uh, did you, were you into that at all when you were a kid, JB? Honestly, DG, I really wasn't, so I really can't comment on it. All I can say is that it's definitely money well saved that I didn't go see the movie. Um, I'm glad you went to go spend the money. Better you than me, sir. <laughs> well, that's true. I actually got free tickets with uh, Optum Online, so uh, I didn't spend any money. But, you know, it, it was definitely, you know, sometimes you watch a movie and it's like, well, that wasn't so bad, even if you paid for it or didn't pay for it. But this movie sucked. It was a waste of time and money, and I'm, I'm ashamed of myself for even going. But, uh, you know, he's got one more comment that he'd like to make here, and it's in regards to the Superman. He says that, uh, you know, his other big complaint with Hollywood is that the people they choose for roles and, you know, the ones that are up for roles, um, I totally agree at this point because, you know, when they picked Kirsten Dunst to be Mary Jane in Spider-Man, I hated it. She's a good actress, but I just, just don't see her as Mary Jane Watson. And, again, as somebody who was a big comics fan growing up, that, that really bugged me. But he says here, <laughs> you know, she's the actress that portrays Bella from the Twilight series, of which I've never seen. Um, first, she's not that great looking. He had to throw that out there. Her acting skills, for lack of a better word, capital letters, he put suck. She has no business auditioning for that. Man, this guy's really angry, JB. She's got no business auditioning for that role, but of course Hollywood will choose her because she's popular. Hopefully someone in the, in the choosing role process will realize she is not a good fit, and maybe Hollywood will get their act together and stop ruining our memories with the garbage that they keep releasing. Any thoughts on that, JB, for uh, Kristen Stewart or any other terrible actress to portray Miss Lois Lane? Um, this 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 email, this anonymous email, sounds as negative as he as we do. Maybe we should add a third partner to the show. <laughs> we probably should actually. That you mentioned, he's definitely negative, and uh, I guess his big thing, you know, from what I gather, he's not a big sports fan, so he's into movies and other stuff, and probably a whole lot of music. But you know, I want we want Smallville, right, JB? And Erica Durant is an amazing actress, and she gets the lowest role down perfectly, but anybody else to me will pale in comparison. Uh, maybe they'll find a decent Superman. Uh, did you watch Superman Returns, JB? I did. Any thoughts on that crap fest? Well, yeah, after watching that crap fest, I, I understand why they had to redo it. And I understand they, they already did find a Superman uh, recast. Uh, is it some British guy? I forget the guy's name. Yeah, Henry Henry Cavill or Cavill. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but it's C A V I double L. And uh, I find that interesting too that they're picking uh, a British dude to, uh, you know, play an American role. But that's happened with House, and that's happening with, uh, you know, I think there's another movie that's escaping me right now where they're doing the same thing. But uh, unfortunately, you know, the Americans apparently can't play the role. But it was definitely it was definitely not a good movie. But the, I thought the Superman did a good job. Uh, Brandon Ralph. Uh, you know, but anyway, moving on from that as we uh, as we uh, close out our show, uh, JB, any any uh, nuggets for us? Yeah, I mean, we didn't get to it this on Tuesday because we had an action-packed show. But uh, let me tell you that 
Last Sunday, we had two good games on ABC for the NBA. Uh, we had the Miami Heat playing the Oklahoma City Thunder. And I just want to mention, uh, you know, people talked about it the day after. It's probably now a moot issue uh, pretty much, but it was all over Twitter right after the game. Uh, LeBron James, basically the Miami Heat were down uh, two points to the Oklahoma Thunder, and LeBron James on Sunday basically passed up the winning shot. He had a clear shot at for, you know, for the game winner and actually passed the ball to his, uh, to his teammate, Eddie House, who's not a superstar like, you know, LeBron James. So, you know, LeBron James makes this big deal about, you know, moving to Miami, taking his talent to, you know, down to Miami, and then all of a sudden now he's not even taking the big shots. Uh, if this guy wants to be compared to MJ or even Kobe Bryant, I think it's time for him to step up, make some game-winning shots, and be the man that he thinks or wants to be, for, for that matter. I mean, it's enough being this role player. You know, you, you made this big to-do about this in the off season, and now you're going to pass the ball to Eddie House to, to rely on winning the game for you? I don't think it works that way, uh, Mr. LeBron James. I don't think it works that way. You know, it's interesting, J.B., that you mentioned that because uh, the fact is that you're right. If you're going to be the money player, if you're going to get all this money and you're going to scum it up and, and dump your uh, your former franchise like LeBron did, he needs to be that money player. And obviously, you know, up to this point he's proven nothing, really. I mean, he's a great player, don't get me wrong, but Kobe's got rings. MJ had rings. You know, Kobe wants the ball in that spot. Kobe wants to get the ball, and the fact is that this this guy does not. And, uh, you know, whatever, we'll, we'll, we'll see where that goes uh any other nuggets, JB, before we close out? Um, one last nugget. Um, you know, I talked about this a, a couple weeks ago. Uh, just be careful what you wish for out there, folks. Uh, you might just get it. A couple weeks ago, I, I mentioned that um, I was tired of Mother Nature dumping, like, you know, 20 to 30 inches of snow at a time. So Mother Nature decided to listen to me, DG, and instead of throwing, you know, 20 to 30 inches of snow the other night, she decided to throw about half an inch of ice all over the tri-state area. So i got to tell you, between shoveling or scraping off ice, about an inch thick of ice around the house, I prefer shoveling snow. Yeah, I uh, I totally agree with that, JB, and it's interesting you mentioned that because I was watching the news the other night, last night, and in front of a police station in uh, Palisades Park, I think, they had a ton of ice, and, you know, the reporter was talking about that, and there's ice everywhere in my apartment complex, everything. So uh, that pretty much sucked, but... Uh, you know, as we as we close up the show, JB, I know you want to mention one thing about about the moose, but uh, our mystery emailer actually just got back in touch with me, and he told me that the other actors that I was thinking of, Superman, uh, sorry, Spider-Man is British, Andrew Garfield, and then Batman is Welch, that would be Mr. Uh, Christian Bale, so it's all foreigners apparently doing these American roles, but JB, hit us with the moose. Yes, sir. Um, it's been a great week, folks. Pure Gold had a great week. I think these two shows were really great. Mark Malusis as our guest uh, tonight. Don't forget, folks, right after, Pure, right after Pure Gold goes off the air at 10 o'clock, Mark Malusis will be live at 10 p.m. on WFAN 660. So make sure you tune in, folks, right after our show goes off the air. Mark Malusis live in, on WFAN. Definitely, and I'm sure it's going to be a Pure Gold show. Uh, remember, folks, next Thursday, February 10th, we will have Mr. Anthony Tyler Quinn of Boy Meets World joining us. He has also appeared in TV shows like House, Cold Case, and Dexter, and, of course, the movie No Greater Love. Awesome movie. Check it out for Valentine's Day. Um, but as we wrap up, it's that time once again, everyone. Remember to tune in next Tuesday night at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. For JB, this is DG of Pure Gold reminding you to always keep it P.
P-G. Good night, everyone, and go check out the moose.